Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield and I still holding it down. One last day here in the DraftKings studio in Boston, festively quaffed and ready for the holiday season. <laughs> yeah. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% or more on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got an awesome one for you, as always. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Tell somebody we're live 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, right here on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, 
Roku. Tons of cool and fun places there. Our buddy Nicole Arbach, senior college football reporter and writer over at The Athletic, going to stop by as we are on Board of Trustees meeting watch this morning. Yeah. Florida State yesterday, it was reported by Nicole and others, is going to have that Board of Trustees meeting, I believe, at 10 a.m. Eastern, so right when we get done here. We'll talk with Nicole about the potential causes, the things that went into that, the ramifications going forward for them and for college football. But, Dad, before we get to any of that, the Dodgers physically cannot stop spending money on baseball we were all jacked up to come in here and talk about and we will what you saw on Thursday night football with the Rams last night continuing their march towards playoff status but uh it appeared they they showed shots in the game I'm not sure dad if you saw them so again you were on the call for Westwood last night you saw did you see Shohei Otani in person because they kept showing him on camera out there so I was down on the field before the game, and certainly you've been down in the field with me here when, when when I've done a game in L.A. It's been with the Chargers before. Usually there are stars here. There are a couple of, of, of comedic actors that we love. Uh, Craig Robinson was oh, yeah. down there, and uh, Jason Siegel was down there as well. I mean, one, one, one of the couple of the funniest guys out there. So it was very cool to see them down there. And then – the 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 kind of the low rumble and then into the cheer started as this massive humanity walked out of the tunnel. I'm like, who's that? And I look and let me tell you, dude is big. Shohei right? Otani comes walking down the sideline. And so I walked over that way. I wasn't going to have a conversation with him, but I just wanted to kind of measure. Dude is got some size. Yep. I mean, he, yep. he was holding a, they gave him a jersey. Uh, so he was holding that, talking to people through his interpreter and such. NFL Films was all around him, shooting him. But, oh, my gosh, he got a louder cheer than the team did uh, at first. And then, obviously, as we'll talk about, the Rams played really well. Holy smokes, dude has got some size. Dude has got some money. I said in the broadcast, I said he should have enough money to buy everybody in the stadium a drink. You know, and, and obviously they have a ton left over, but he got a monster, monster applause. And now he's got a running buddy who not quite his size by any stretch of the imagination, but still making a whole lot of money. It will make for some great odd couple photos because to yeah. your point, Shohei Itani is our large Japanese son. He peels the skin off baseballs routinely and clobbers it, I said, with the sound that the bat makes in Super Smash Brothers. When you really waylay that thing every time. He is there to hurt baseballs. The other thing we saw on the broadcast is what led to this overnight news because on the broadcast, the Rams social media team put out a shot of a jersey in the back of the end zone with the name Yamamoto on the back side of it. That being Yashinobu Yamamoto, the Japanese pitching phenomenon that was the prize free agent of this offseason that is now also a Los Angeles Dodger. As they announced last night, a 12-year $325 million deal, sources told ESPN. The Dodgers will pay an additional $50 million posting fee to Yamamoto's previous club, the Oryx Buffaloes in Japan, and he will also receive about a $50 million signing bonus. But, Dad, as you pointed out, much smaller in stature is Yamamoto, a 5'10", 176-pound pitcher who, based on everything we've heard, Dad, won three straight MVPs and the equivalent of the size Young over in the Japanese Baseball League and came in as this heralded prospect that we heard the Yankees were potentially linked to all of the same usual big name suspects but the right. Dodgers have now spent a billion dollars between two players in a way that's got to drive the rest of Major League Baseball insane. 
And, and the thing about this, there were plenty of other teams that were out there, you know, right around this amount. So he had his choice and he chose to go to the Dodgers. You know, you could you could see what they're building out there. So it wasn't for lack of trying by other teams. It's not like, oh, the Dodgers just outspent everybody. There was a handful of teams in out, including, you know, the Yankees. So there are now three pitchers who have who have over three hundred million dollar contracts. Garrett Cole got a nine year three hundred twenty four million dollar deal. So he's averaging thirty six million a year where uh, Yamamoto is averaging a measly, what, twenty seven million dollars a year. Somehow he has to get by on that. And then the third pitcher is Shoei. Shoei is a, a obviously got the seven hundred million dollar deal. So three pitchers over three hundred million. Garrett Cole, you know, has a Cy Young under his belt. He has done well with the Yankees in his four seasons there. So that one, it seems to be paying off. Uh, so we'll see where this one goes. You know, when you, the thing is not the size of that frontline starter. We, we talked about a size already, 5'10", 176. So you wonder what his real size is because we all know how that works. Is he really 5'10"? Is he really a buck 76? So do you wonder about the endurance of this? Uh, with his size over a season, obviously none of the teams that were throwing the money at him are worried about it too much. This guy's got a multi, uh, multitude of pitches uh, that he uses. Uh, so just a, a super – this is one of those where kind of like Atlanta last year, I think, led the way. I think they had 104 wins, and it was like, but, man, if they don't close this thing out, it's a what, what a failed season. To oh. multiply this by about 100, right? For the mu- or maybe by a billion. <laughs> I was just going to say, we know, the, we know yeah. the number here that's yeah. the force multiplier. You're right, Dad. There are going to be people lining up for miles waiting to take this team down and kick them in the shins if yep. they do anything but win the World Series. It won't matter. They, I mean, they could lose anywhere along the way right up to the very end, right. and if they don't win the whole thing, they are absolutely going to be treated as a laughing stock because of everything they put in and because I'd imagine there's a lot of other really jealous people because to your point, this one wasn't as financially out of reach as maybe the show right, deal right. was for a lot of people, which is still insane to say because none of this money was deferred. He's going to get this all in real time. It's not like the Shohei deal in that regard. But yeah, Dad, this one being closer for other teams. I saw our buddy Jared Carabas over at Baseball is Dead lamenting the fact that he felt like the Red Sox were never even really in it because there were more teams that were involved in all this and that somehow the Dodgers gravitational pull and I'm sure the money that they were able to save in the interim from the way they structured the Shohei Atani deal all helped make this possible. Oh, it's exactly right. I mean, what Shohei did, and I was talking to some people last night, and they seemed to be surprised that you could defer as much money as Shohei did. And I said, well, that's kudos to, you know, whoever, when they were doing the CBA, because it's right there in the CBA, there's no limit to the amount you can defer. So I, I don't know if if teams thought players would defer as much money as Shoei did. I mean, who says, yeah, I get 700 million, but I'm going to wait 10 years to get 680 million of it. It seems absurd to say, but when you're making 45, 50 mil off the field with your marketing, you can afford to do that. Cause a lot of people say, I want to make all my money now. So it's working for me. He's going to be okay. He's got enough money working for him where he can defer it and help out the Dodgers. So, I mean, that, that is, that is a, I'm not going to sit here and say the ultimate sacrifice because the guy's still getting $700 million. I'm going to be real careful about yeah, that. Thank you say, for your service, Shohei. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, what, what can we do for you because you sacrificed for us? But it, it was it was a hell of a move. 
uh, that was, you know, that that worked out is going to work out incredibly well. Hopefully, we'll see uh, if the Dodgers can can close this thing out as we're nowhere near, you know, as we're still a few months away from opening day. Yeah, this really is starting to feel like the Eagles super team of destiny from a few yeah, years yeah. ago. And uh, it, it's going to be fascinating. What I will say right off the bat, because you mentioned Yamamoto, not the, the prototype size. He's a guy you hear about his regiment over there, not based in weightlifting. A lot of it's more the stuff that you would hear around Tom Brady in the TV 12. Right. It's pliability. Right. It's body weight strength stuff. And, and the one thing we do know, as a lot of that's going to be the focus of people's life, is we at least know his dog's name. Boom. We looked this up. Remember, Shohei Atani, famously so secretive about his free agent process and everything around his life that we couldn't even get his dog's name when prompted. Yamamoto rare, apparently rarely travels without his tiny, fluffy dog, Mike, uh, I think it's Mikan, who's named after Japan's famous Mandarin Orange, whose peel almost matches the dog's fur color. So we know his dog's name. Apparently, he is also a big dog enthusiast, so him and Shohei will have that in common, which is very exciting. That's obviously. So what pulled him to the Dodgers was the dog that's exactly connection. Right. That must have been it. Yeah, they got on when they both put their yeah, dogs they put the up dogs there. Up. The, the like, dogs made it. They're deal. saying hi. <laughs> they're waving. And, and you know what? I'm all for it. Yep. I mean, I am all for it. They're carrying around their dog like an accessory, and he named his dog after an orange peel color. So hey, good on him. You know, good on him. He was a star with the uh, with the Onyx Buffaloes uh, or Oryx Buffaloes. I'm sorry. And now let's see what he can do in the States because you, you know, other players, you, you know how that works, Mike, when there's a big money guy, all you want to do is try and take him down. So let's see, let's see how the, it, it plays over here from there to here and what goes on. I mean, they're, they're setting themselves. Remember though, Shoei isn't going to pitch uh, this coming season. He's just going to bat and then pitch the following season. So we have to wait a little bit on that, but Man, they are they are building something big time there. They are, and like you mentioned, baseball is a sport uniquely positioned to allow people to take down giants because of how the sport's structured, because right. you're not going to be getting the full arsenal of Shohei's abilities early on in this deal, and especially this season when all eyes are going to be most trained on them. Uh, again, I'm sure it's like the Shohei deal where everyone outside is frustrated because this team is spending into oblivion and just trying to buy a title in a way that most sports fans find reprehensible. But that's showbiz, baby. And for the rest of us now, we get ready to sit here and watch yet another Japanese superstar try and make his way over to America as successfully as his counterpart recently did. But, Dad, let's not bury the lead too much longer. You were at a football game last night while this baseball news broke out. And, Jesse, we did have a football game that broke out with a clear, pretty clear message sent by the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, vastly improving their playoff chances with that 30-22 win over the Saints. Matt Stafford, Matthew Stafford, threw for 328 yards, two touchdowns, and rookie wide receiver Puka Nakua, nine catches for a career-high 164 yards and a score. So after the game, Sean McVay asked if Nakua should actually be in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's outstanding. You know, I mean, I, I couldn't be more grateful for the contributions. And, I mean, what a freaking run on the jet sweep. Has a bunch of plays through the pass game. You guys have seen it week in and week out. You know, you talk about that balance. You can't have the balance if you don't have receivers that are willing to dig out support and do some of the things that he does. Um, you know, you see around the league, you know, Stroud's had a great year, but this guy is – I would, he would get my vote. And, um, you know, he's really special, but the best part about him is he doesn't worry about those things. He worries about, you know, just being a great teammate, continuing to improve his game, and uh, sure love this team, and, and he's one of those guys that you really love. Puka's been one of the best stories of the year, and obviously the Rams needed this win. 
Yeah, Dad, this is uh, them continuing their march there. Puka Nakua is like watching a deer loose on the field. With how big, fast, and strong that young man is, he does afford the Rams something that I think we saw on full display last night, Dad, because this isn't a lot like the Rams from a couple years ago where they went to a bunch of multi-tight end stuff here. This is back more towards the original Rams that were one tight end, three wide receivers, but when you've got big wide receivers like him, guys like Cooper Cup who are willing to go and mix it up in the box and do some of the difficult work like that, it affords you a lot of options, and we saw a ton of them on display with this Rams offense last night. Well, I mean, we, we saw a guy in Puka Nakua picking up the slack, remember, because Cooper Cup last year had the ankle, and this year started out with the hammy, So you, but you had this guy that really picked up the slack, and you're right about the receivers. It, last night, there were only four players that caught a ball uh, for them. It was Puka, it was Cooper Cup, it was Tyler Higby, the tight end, and Demarcus Robinson had himself Woo! a night. Demarcus Robinson came in with 14 catches for the season and almost got half of that in one night. He had six for 82 and a touchdown in this game. So, I, you know, I talked about this last week with the Detroit Lions when they beat Denver, when I called that game, is the array of talent that Detroit has on the field and the options. The Rams had the same thing the options that they have to go to on the offensive side. And then, oh, by the way, throwing Kyron Williams in the backfield, who now has 600-yard games this year, three in a row, as he, as he rushed for <clears throat> a little over 100 yards last night. But Puka, it's an interesting thing with rookie of the year. C.J. Stroud was a lock. Yep. Now, C.J. Stroud, you know, is missing some time with the concussion. Let me give you the, the numbers on Puka and what he's going to do. And he's going to – I would imagine he's going to do it. He is now – uh, he is now the, the rookie record for receptions is Jalen Waddle with 104. Puka has 96. So he needs eight receptions, nine to break that in two games. Waddle did that in 2021. But this is the one. He now has 1,327 receiving yards. The record is 1,473. It's 146 yards away in two games he needs. And that record, and this is always what amazed me, we're in a passing league right now. That record is held by none other than Bill Groman, 1960 with the Houston Oilers. It's amazing. The rookie receiving yardage record is 1960. The rookie receiving yard record for tight ends is 1961. In Mike Ditka. So, I mean, that blows my mind. But Puka is in great position to get both of those right now. So that's very, very impressive. And then how about this? You want to talk, the Rams are the fifth youngest team in the NFL right now. And you talk about young talent on the field, really for both sides. For players 23 and younger, Kyron Williams leads the league with now eight games of 100 scrimmage yards. Second is Puka with six games of 100 scrimmage yards. Third is Chris Olave from the Saints, wow. who now has five games after last night he had over 100 yards receiving. And he, was a, he was the only real threat last night. This game was not 30-22. No. It was not as close as that at all. New Orleans had two big plays in that game, a 45-yard touchdown, uh, touchdown to Rashid Shaheed, and then a 35-yard touchdown uh, to A.T. Perry. After they blocked a punt, all of a sudden it got interesting because they blocked a punt, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, two scores, one score, get the two-point conversion, onside kick, see what you can do. No sooner do I say that, they throw the pass to Perry, get the two-point conversion, and I'm like, my God, we got a few minutes to go, and now it's a one-score game. 
but uh, the the Rams uh, did not let that happen. They held them off. And going forward, you know, we, we were talking about this of what they can do if they get to the playoffs three and six. And now what? Five and one. They were three and six and now five and one since the uh, since their bye. And to me still, Mike, the biggest improvement on that team is the offensive line, who before their bye week in week 10 was 29th in, give, in, in, in giving up pressure, the pressure rate that they gave up. Since then, they're sixth. So they have really, really shored up the offensive line and protecting Stafford, who has been nothing but money. Stafford now has five games straight of multiple touchdown passes. And the Rams were tied with San Francisco with four straight games of over 28 points. They went to five straight. If San Francisco wants to keep pace, they have to score over 28 against Baltimore on Monday night, which is we're all looking forward to that matchup for we'll see. So if the Rams get in, this is one of those, again, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. If they get in, it doesn't matter where they get in. They're good enough to make a run right now. They're the Buffalo Bills of the NFC. They said it on the broadcast last night, and it's 100% true. They're the team that's had to scratch and claw their way in because of some weird stuff that went on in the majority of their season that got them to a record that truly was not indicative of who this team is. The thing in the place their youth showed up, I think, last night, that could be the one cause for concern if you were looking for it for a Rams team that I think is other otherwise pretty excellent at this point is what you mentioned, back-to-back games against inferior opponents where they struggled to finish in the way that you would like. They let Washington make the score a little closer than it needed to be last week. They let the Saints hang around a little bit too long at the end of this week. And then in the red zone this week, Dad, drive stalled when they got down to that area of the field. Three of six inside the red zone, but defensively, what Raheem Morris has done with everyone around Aaron Donald, what Ernest Jones has turned into as a force at linebacker for them and the way they were able to make Derek Carr uncomfortable, that looks like a playoff team and that looks like a playoff team capable of winning games and you said it because of the youth because of the way they've hit especially on draft picks in the third round and beyond it looks like they're set up for a while and Matthew Stafford drank out of the fountain of youth at some point along the line it's got me excited because they're a legitimately fun dynamic football team to watch and they seem to have some staying power based on what's here yeah, listen, we all talked about it. They sold their soul for the Super Bowl ring, and they got it. But now they're hitting on these later draft picks, and, and it's scoring for them. You mentioned Ernest Jones, the leading tackler, because Aaron Donald in now six games has just half a sack. Now, he's still getting a million pressures on the quarterback, don't get me wrong, and tackles behind the line. But you hit on a Kobe Turner, uh, a rookie nose tackle, a Byron Young, a rookie outside linebacker. Those two are the leading rookie sackers in the league. They're one and two as rookies in the league, so you're getting help from those youngsters. That's a pretty impressive team. Yeah, remember when people were asking, was it worth it for the Rams to do it to get a Super Bowl? Yeah, it makes it harder. Be better at your job, like the Rams have been. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle. 
file here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time to turn our attention to the college game with our Modelo College Football Weekend Preview brought to you by Modelo, the mark of a fighter. We have yet another college bowl game on the docket as Georgia Tech and UCF, shout out Emerson Lazia, battle in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Both teams 6-6. Six and six. So going into this one with like a nice little send-off to the season, perhaps UCF coming in as a five-point favorite. And guys, after tonight... We have seven bowl games on the schedule for Saturday. Any of them standing out to you here? Like maybe JMU finally getting a shot at the bowl game despite all the drama they get in and get a bowl game? It, it is. It, there's yeah. There's no shortage. College football is uh, like we always see those uh, um, insurance commercials with Mahomes and those guys. It's fun because you get to bundle it. Like on their own, <laughs> none of these might be as compelling right, if right. you're outside of those fan bases, especially because watching like last night's the perfect example. You USF 45 to nothing drubbing of Syracuse in a game where Syracuse is in between staffs. You got Fran on the sideline wearing a jersey in that game in a way that's really weird, even though he's nailing recruiting. Like, it's a chaotic mess of a season right now, Dad. But I think. Overall, there's some interesting storyline games going into bowl season, mostly because of who's in transition. Like, you look at the Birmingham Bowl with Troy and Duke, that, to me, has become the Notre Dame Bowl because everyone in that game seems to have a tie to us because, selfishly, we can make it all about the Irish. Since you've got Troy head coach John Sumrall now leaving to take the um, uh, Tulane job and OC from Notre Dame Jared Parker getting ready to step in as the Troy head coach, while on the other side, Duke will be without quarterback Riley Leonard, who's getting set to know be the new quarterback at Notre Dame. Right. So. And this is kind of where we're at in bowl season, Dad, where you're right, trying right. to measure who's there, what their motivation is, and how it's going to play out. Well, that's why I, I, I've always said and I, how you can pick a bowl game or how you can dissect a bowl game is so difficult because even if you didn't have a lot of what's going on now, you still have coaches that play those young players who they're going to redshirt that they save the bowl game for their fourth game to get them some time in it as well. Which, uh, by, go ahead. which, by, the, which by the way, they don't have to do anymore. Now postseason play, so conference championship games and bowl games don't factor into that oh, four-game right. allotment right. for the redshirt year. No, it's a rel relatively new rule, but yeah. it does mean you do get to see more of your favorite team's right. young guys, even if you weren't dealing with the rampant effects of the portal gutting your roster. And obviously Syracuse is waiting for the arrival of Kyle McCord to, to save, you know, that, that program, the transfer over from Ohio State after getting the drubbing like they did last night. But uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm glad that um, JMU got in because it's one of the 
dumbest rules of the NCA of many dumb rules that, uh, be, you know, making the move to FBS, you have a two year waiting period and they're in their second year and they had a monster year. I mean, just a joke. Uh, so I'm glad they got into that bowl game because it's also a sad state when you say because there weren't enough bowl teams to fill all the bowl games. That's also kind of a, a bad thing as well. But uh, you're right. You just you don't know who's going to end up playing on the team uh, when these games happen. Just sit and enjoy them. That's why the, the glut of games is absolutely better than the individual games. And it, it just feels like, Dad, that these are like our little blots of joy around all the other existential drama around college football. Like, again, all of this is going to be happening after Florida State potentially walks into a meeting today with their board of trustees and decides oh. they want to blow up the ACC. Like, that is the backdrop to all of this that's going to happen. Really does feel like the band on the deck of the Titanic playing. It really does. I mean, I... I can't wait to hear what comes out of this meeting that's going to go on this morning. Is it going to start that really slow wheel that starts to turn... Uh, of the next big thing that might happen in college football. And, you know, in that meeting, all I wonder, will it be catered like the college football committee meetings? You know, will it be that good? Let's hope they get some good, because it's a morning meeting, so maybe a little breakfast buffet would be pretty good. I feel like they're going to go steak and eggs on this one because as they're tearing into the hide of this grant of rights, yeah. trying to figure <laughs> out their way out, they've got to have bloodthirst on their mind because, Dad, this is a motivated, angry group of people that are yeah. also incredibly rich and powerful walking into that room looking to make some change around college football. And again, we will talk to Nicole Arbach about the potential ramifications of that coming up in about an hour because, Dad, I saw David Hay from over at the ACC Network and ESPN tweet this yesterday that this is the first time or would be the first time that a grant of rights had been challenged by any college team like this. And so there's a lot of other people who are going to have eyes on this situation oh, yeah. wondering if they're going to get a new precedent set that would allow them to make some funky moves after this. All of this is to say is, Enjoy the college football that you're going to get this weekend because it's going to continue to look more and more different as we go along here. Dad, you mentioned the James Madison of it all, too. Even they're not immune to what happens when no. things get bigger and better, right? Their head coach, Kurt Signetti, takes the Indiana job, so now they're going to be without him going into this game. They weren't even supposed to be here. We had the fight all year long that led to them going on college game day and everyone beating the drum for them to try and get eligible for the Sun Belt Championship game, to try and get eligible for bowl season right now. And so this is the perfect perfect reminder game dad as we always weigh motivations normally you would look at this game james madison a one and a half point favorite going up against the air force academy the service academies where you never have to question motivation never have right. to question if these guys are going to show up with the intended purpose but also looking at that team going all right well jmu i'm sure is going to be plenty fired up for this opportunity to continue to show people what time it is and air force lost four straight games to end the season so you do feel pretty good about the duke's chances in this game a lot better than you would for nine 99% of FBS football teams walking in in their situation. And and this isn't a shot at Signetti, the coach who's going to Indiana, but imagine if that fight during the season and the appeals they had to the NCAA, if that worked and they got, you know, it, it all went in their favor because, you know, Signetti, one of the people out there, you know, obviously camping for his team. Hey, we should be able to, we should be able to. And if they got to do it and then it was like, yeah, I'm leaving at the end of the year. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I, I, I'm gone. I'm moving on. And and again, I'm not just picking on him, but just that situation because coaches are are leaving and going to different teams every year. But uh, yeah, you know, let's hope we get all you can hope in these things is is you kind of need a scorecard to see who the players are and sometimes who the coach is, what 
what uh, coordinator has taken over for the bowl game, and then you just hope you get a competitive game. Exactly, which brings me to the Hawaii Bowl, because I want to remind people yep. what the reason for the season really is with bowl time here. Hawaii Bowl, you got Coastal Carolina taking on San Jose State, two 7-5 and five teams, both got there very differently. Coastal Carolina has been without Grayson McCall, who's been the face of that program. The Chanticleers, when we were back chanting for everyone to rank them years ago, now is in the transfer portal, heading to, I believe, NC State. But he's been injured for the last two months. Ethan Vasco is going to be in a quarterback for them. He went 2-1 down the stretch. They got a shot. San Jose State went 1-5 in their first six games, playing the likes of Boise State, opening up the season with Oregon State and USC before getting into the more manageable portion of their schedule and almost working their way into the Mountain West title game. But, Dad, right. it's not about any of that. It's about the nope. fact that they're in Hawaii around Christmas Eve. And this was the last bowl game that you ever played in as a college player was then the Aloha Bowl. It was my right. first ever bowl game as a college athlete at the Hawaii Bowl as a redshirt freshman. And it was bar none. I played in that game. I played in the Sun Bowl. I played in the um, Gator, or what, not the Gator Bowl, the Champ Sports Bowl in Orlando, and the national title. The Hawaii Bowl was bar far, by far my favorite because it was basically paid vacation on the island, and then we got to go out there and wax Hawaii. Yeah, uh, we didn't win my last game. We lost to SMU, uh, and that was my last game uh, in a Notre Dame uniform, but it was out in Hawaii, and I remember that trip that we landed. We went to the hotel, and we're, we're all in a new place. And, you know, you mentioned this a while ago. It's just a new place to drink. You know, I and we got all our per diem up front because we we're going to be there for a few days. I spent my per diem along with a couple of my teammates in two hours at a bar in two hours. Yeah, because we were, we were seniors. We were 21. And, and even if we weren't, we'd have tried to get into the bar. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so two hours in. It was gone. We had to kind of find Notre Dame alumni around there to buy us drinks for the rest of the time that we were there because we went through our per diem so quickly. I did the same thing, but in a much more embarrassing fashion. We got a bunch of per diem on the way in, and I spent mine in a couple of hours at the beginning of the trip at the Armani Exchange Store. I bought like a Gucci wallet and a bunch oh. of shirts. Imagine a 295-pound, long-haired college freshman wearing Armani Exchange shirts back in South Bend, Indiana. What a mistake. What a time for fashion. What a waste of what per diem money that was. I got a lot of mileage out of those shirts. I don't know if they ever actually had the desired effect of attracting mates, but wow. man, they looked cool ah. spread out over 300 pounds of chest. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for 
eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So, some news. The Chargers are reportedly interested in Jim Harbaugh for their head coaching job. Now, guys, this isn't the first time that Jim Harbaugh has drawn interest from NFL teams, as we know. So, he had an interview with the Vikings 2022, Broncos in 2023. He returned to coach the Wolverines both times. So what do we think about this? Would this be a good fit with ownership, um, with the money and power we think they would get him? Is there actually a shot this happens just because of the timing of, like, possibly facing a suspension? I I think so, and and I think, Dad, fits interesting to consider with Jim Harbaugh because I think he's one of the rare guys that I call the universal solvent. Everywhere he's been, he's found a way to win. At whatever level of football he's been involved at, he's been a person that not only can come in and win, but I think is so paramount in this day and age where the leash tends to be pretty short and we want to microwave results is he's a great program jump starter. He comes in and can almost immediately get you up off the mat. Now, most recently at Michigan, we saw then it hit a little bit of a lull and people started to worry about the ceiling, but pretty much everywhere else, Dad, it's been Jim Harbaugh has been able to get your program off life support and then after that it was how long you could deal with the personality because he's been considered largely a jackhammer in terms of the effect he can have overall and I wonder now because it feels like we've got a different version of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan than the one that was originally broadcasting oh he's sleeping over at recruits houses and he's doing all these satellite camps and he's rubbing everyone the wrong way you've got the sign stealing scandal now that's taken that place but overall he seems to have maybe mellowed out a bit with age and time and I wonder if now you would be getting the best version of him as a head coach in the NFL. I, and also, you know, there are people to say, could he fit in in California or in this place or in that place? <laughs> so remember, he coached in San Francisco up until, what, 2014, I think uh, he left there. Uh, the dude can coach anywhere. He's He has kind of a weird personality, but he can coach. He can coach football. And if he were to leave Michigan, this would be a la Pete Carroll leaving USC right before, yep. you know, you get nailed for something. Michigan's going to get nailed for something with this. And we'll see if Harbaugh ditches before that. And and I say ditches. Listen, he has been flirting for the last few years with the NFL. So it's going to shock no one. Absolutely. Or it shouldn't shock anyone. If he goes back to the NFL, uh, I think it's going to happen at some point. And when he goes, he's going to get a lot of money uh, wherever he goes. Because he, you know, when he was in the NFL, he got to the Super Bowl, and now he's gotten to the college playoffs for a couple of years. Maybe a, a chance, possibly, to win the title this year. We'll see. So, I, I don't question his coaching abilities. Like you said, there was that lull a couple of years in a row, losing Ohio State. People started questioning what was going on, but you, the guy can coach. He can coach football. That hasn't gone away. So. Uh, and, and he'll get courted again this year. It's just a matter of he's in a wonderful position of having choices of what he wants to do. He is, I will say, the reason the Chargers are so compelling, because you look at a lot of the rest of the choices on the map that we've talked about with the jobs and ranking them this offseason, certainly Bryce Young is going to be your quarterback if you're the Carolina Panthers, but there's so much else that's going to be a difficult slog for that organization that you wonder, would the appeal of all the power I'm sure David Tepper would likely give you outweigh what you know are the limitations and problems with that roster. But I think, Dad, for for Jim Harbaugh, 
he got talked about so often with that like quarterback whisperer moniker. And I think at Michigan, we've now been able to raise some questions about that because really until this year, until J.J. McCarthy in the last right. two years, yeah, right. they've struggled to get that guy on campus, struggled to get that guy under center for them. That's a true difference maker in the way he had when he was out at Stanford. And we know the caliber of player he was dealing with with Andrew Luck in the quarter, you know, the quarterbacks, the NFL with the Niners that he had. He'd walk into a situation with the Chargers where you got that question answered. And now right. you can go to work on the rest of roster building and leading in a team that seems to be much easier and much more accessible to Jim Harbaugh and the way he's approached this. So to me, you would solve what's been the biggest issue in the latter half or the latter stages of Jim Harbaugh's tenure in college. So let me ask you this. The, and we all think right now, and we'll see what other jobs possibly open up, what we look at is the best situation. And we've talked about the Chargers because of Justin Herbert and the offensive firepower that they have there being the best one. So if you're the owner there, are you going after young, say a Ben Johnson, first time head coach, older, I don't want to say old because I'm considered old, 71 year, <laughs> 71 year old, if he is available, Bill Belichick, if he is not with the Patriots, or a guy who's a decade younger, Jim Harbaugh is my age, we came out together, 60, 61-year-old, uh, going back into the NFL. So a young Ben Johnson, the oldest of that, uh, Bill Belichick, or a Jim Harbaugh. Which direction would you go? I think if I was the Chargers, there's something that would be appealing about the growth potential for a guy like Ben Johnson. To get him in now, your primary task is to make sure your offense and your quarterback are taken care of, and it would allow you to divvy up some of the responsibility among coach and GM and make some hires there because if Jim Harbaugh comes in, if Bill Belichick comes in, now all of a sudden you're dealing with guys that are going to want a little bit more control over that, and I would have right. major trepidation, especially when it came to Bill Belichick, given his recent track record there. Now, again, with Bill, you would solve for what's been the issue post Tom Brady, which is they didn't have the quarterback in New England. Right. So everything else being built around that and also being hamstrung by years of the way they did business. Bill famously talked a couple years ago openly about some of the salary cap issues they had run into by being all in every year, going after the Super Bowl in the late stage Brady era there. But it would solve for that. But I, I don't know. At this point, Dad, I think we've seen enough from Bill Belichick, the GM, as of late to where I'd be nervous about that. So a guy like Ben Johnson would allow you to say, hey, we're going to have you do coaching and we're going to have this person do GMing. We're going to make sure you're aligned, but we're going to let you focus on the football portion of it. And a lot of times you see a team go oppo, you know, like Brandon Staley is a defensive head coach. You see him go opposite and go to an offensive head coach. Uh, now, now, if you wanted Ben Johnson, reports are out there that Ben Johnson, who has never been a head coach in the NFL, said if he has become to become a head coach in the NFL, that he would like $15 million a year. So say you've targeted Ben Johnson. Are you paying Ben Johnson $15 million a year? I'm not. I do think this is just targeted at one person. Like, you and yeah. I both thought yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You're just trying to see if you can get David Tepper to do some wild yeah. boy stuff, right? <laughs> you know you've got a desperate, angry billionaire who really wants his football team to be good and has messed it up along every step of the way with coaching quarterback. This seems like this is targeted advertising. And also, I'll say, listen, ask for anything you want. And quite honestly, I hope he gets it. I hope he would ask for 15 and get 15. But it could also be one of those behind the scenes. Hey, you know what? I'm going to ask for 15. 
we'll probably get 10 million, which is cool. You know, I'm, I'm good with that. So however he goes about it, all good. But I, and so when I said I wouldn't pay him 15, I hope somebody does. I hope he gets his money, but boy, oh boy, that, that is it. What would he be? Would you say the third or fourth he would be highest? He'd be tied for coach? the third highest paid head coach with Sean McVay and Pete Carroll, who I believe are making around $15 million each. So two former Super Bowl winners, ho-hum, yeah. decent company there. Dad, who would you take of those three? If you were the Chargers, knowing everything that's at stake for them, knowing some of the expi- the old contracts, some of the old skill players they have on that roster, would you want a young upstart coordinator coming to be a coach, or would you want more steady hands there? Man, that gosh, that, that that's a great question, Mike. Um, I mean, the, it, it's kind of skewing toward go, going younger now. But this team is a ready-to-win team right now, as you mentioned, with with some some veterans on that team. I would probably go with an experienced head coach for them, for like some of the younger teams that are that are still trying to build. I may think about a younger coach there, but here I, I think I'd have more of the steady, uh, experienced hand. So would you go Harbaugh or would you go Belichick then? Because I I think there's going to be some people that wonder, can you replicate the Patriot way in this short of order? Because there'd be a short-term Band-Aid if you bring Belichick over there. I'd probably, in all honesty, I'd probably lean toward Harbaugh in this one. Go back to the NFL where he was successful uh, and see if he can recreate it out in California again. Yeah, there is part of you that wonders if that could be the best option somewhere in between, you know, baby bear and papa bear in the just right seat uh, for the NFL head coaching search. So we'll wait and see it play out because there's no doubt at this point in time, based on the jobs that are currently available, this Chargers job is the crown jewel because of Justin Herbert and because you've got a few more questions answered there than some of their counterparts. We'll see what else opens up in the meantime as we get to ask big money questions about some of these high prize coaching names. Coming up next, let's take a look at the encore performance from John Morant last night in the NBA. back to Gojo and Golik. John Morant made quite an impression when he came back after his 25-game suspension, hitting the game-winning shot against New Orleans on Tuesday night. He was back in action last night as the Grizzlies hosted the Pacers, getting the W, and he followed up his Tuesday debut with another very solid effort, putting up 20 points, five rebounds, eight assists in his first home game since returning to the lineup. Now, after the game, Morant spoke about the energy that's been surrounding this team since his return now that I'm out there you know I'm making sure that we're all having fun you know no matter what so that was pretty much you know just my message Uh, you can just tell by the energy of the team you know we catch a lob you got the bench going crazy you got the players screaming yelling dapping each other up you know that's our type of basketball that's how we are that's the team we are people we are Um, you know we very you know close-knit I just preach that, man. Like, you know, regardless of what it is, we got to have fun and, you know, celebrate, you know, the opportunities we have, you know, day in and day out. I mean, he's definitely provided a boost. Okay, since his return, they've won two in a row. They'd lost five straight before that. This this is like the ultimate, like, 
no duh moment from all of us. Yeah. Like, this is why we were so bummed out to begin with when, again, the lowest possible bar wasn't clear. Because, Dad, this is what he made the Grizzlies. Like, you go all the way back to the years prior, this was the Grizzlies team that was starting to nip at the heels of the Golden State Warriors because they had this young, unbridled lack of fear for their opponents. They went into every game like this having maximum fun because in the middle of it, you've got a human pogo stick in John Moran who does some of the most impressive things we see on a bat basketball court and gives all of his teammates the confidence to do that too I mean he missed 25 games they were six and 19 they were they were horrible he's the best player on their team he's one of the best players in the league he's a human highlight reel so yeah I, I, I you're right this is a, a no duh moment uh, no doubt they and, and they they played two games I won them both so that obviously that's good and he has played well but I mean, of course, that was the expectation that this team was going to be better with him on the court. And certainly you get human highlight reel stuff out of him that does jack everybody up. So, yeah, this 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 isn't a shocking thing to me. His ability on the court was never the thing in question. Right. The court, anytime he got to the arena and was going to play, you sat there wonderfully as a fan and, and as a person, as part of the organization. It was when he left that you started to worry. It's when he left the arena that you were like, okay, I wonder what he's doing right now. I hope, you know, you check in Instagram every now and then, hoping nothing pops up, hoping that, hoping that phone doesn't ring. It's like every college coach out there that has to deal with college players who are, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds. You hope you don't get that phone call, you know, that your player did something dumb. And that, that's it with Ja. I mean, you're hoping you don't get that phone call. Because when he's in the building, you got no worries about what he's going to be doing. I couldn't imagine the absolute chill going down someone in the Grizzlies front office spine if they got the notification on their phone, John Morant is going live on Instagram. Oh, That's the biggest gosh. fear for the rest of the season. Yes. Because it should be more of this. Like, Dad, maybe you could say there is some surprise that it's happening this quickly as soon as he got back. Like, that kind of hiatus where he couldn't be with the team on game day. There were limitations on what he could do. Right. All those things that could have prevented him from having as fast to start going back out there and you look at the effect that's had on others like Desmond Bain was the leading scorer last night him John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. all went over 20 points for I think the sixth time in their time right. together and they're six and zero in those games so it's had the effect that super superstars have is they allow everyone else's jobs to become easier and in a year where you've had so many injuries to this team that have made it difficult for them to start off this season where they've been 1 and 11 at home where they were able to give their home fans something last night ja has all of those superstar qualities when he is available but unfortunately this has been the problem with the top two picks from the draft class with yeah. him and zion williamson is availability in critical moments we saw this happen for the grizzlies down the stretch of a season where they had major postseason hopes and now it's going to be the hope again because it's early enough for them to turn all of this around dad we talked the other day about the western conference standings and some of the teams at the top that are a little bit atypical right now to me that says hey we got a long way to go to see if this could level out and the grizzlies could absolutely be a factor with this version of john morant provided he remains available yeah they're third from the bottom sitting at eight and 19 right now but only a couple of games or a few games away uh from that 10 slot that the lakers have right now so you're right there's a lot of season left to go and you mentioned the top two pick zion being the other one 
Zion certainly has had some off-court situations that hasn't gotten him suspended or anything, but still some off-court stuff. But also on the court, Mike, sure. Ja has been there on the court for Zion. He's been injured. He's been questioned about his weight, you know, his his uh, his wind, you know, and and what because there are times you see with Zion on the court, you're like, wow, that's the guy. But other times, you know, he's sitting on the bench because he's injured or they talk about him being overweight. So his his issues at times are on the court where that's that's never been an issue for Ja. You just wonder when the next posterizing moment is going to happen with Moran. I was just going to say, because this game last night, I mean, you're playing the Pacers who had become one of the darlings of the early yeah, portion of the regular yeah. season. Tyrese Halliburton and what he's done as a budding superstar in this league now. That's a really quality win for Memphis, but that to me is not the sign of is John Morant back or not. The sign of when John Morant is back, and I haven't seen it yet. I've watched some of both of these games. I didn't watch the entirety of both of them. I figured if this would have happened, it would have made its way to the internet already. But Dad, we're all waiting for that first time that John Morant takes off and tries to yeet himself over the top of three guys in the paint and miss a poster dunk. It is to me the indelible yeah. mark of Jaw's career so far. Not even the ones he's put down, but the dunks he attempts over people that almost always miss, but almost always bring all of us out of our seats. That's when we're going to know Jaws back, when he recklessly launches himself down the lane again at an opposing defense. Absolutely love, love that stuff. And then real quickly on the other side, because he's one of our guys from Notre Dame, man, I feel for Monty Williams in Detroit. Ooh, right? buddy. 25 straight losses now. They're 2-26, 25 straight losses. The fans last night were chanting, sell the team. They're one loss away from tying the 76ers and the Cavaliers at 26 straight losses. I don't know. There's no end in sight. They're not going to lose the rest of the games, but it's a horrible year, a horrible start for Monty Williams there. And that's, that's just got to be so mentally brutal for everybody associated with that organization. That's one where you just walk out of the building at night if you're Monty Williams, you open up whatever your preferred mobile banking app is, and you check ah. that number, and you go, okay, you know what? Things are bad right now. They could be a lot worse. So let's get a palate cleanse before we go to break here, Jesse. We had a delightful, beautiful little interaction between two young superstars from different sports in one of those unlikely animal friendship videos. Yeah, the Blackhawks made a pretty cool thing happen. They brought two number one overall picks together. So they brought Connor Bedard, Victor Wembanyama together in, in the Blackhawks locker room. It was really cool. They got to hang out. They got to talk. Wemby, however, blown away by the idea of fighting in hockey. You watch that? Yeah, they're all fair. The full game, though. No. But I, I love when people just start fighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sound, it just looks out of this world. Like yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> I know, it's, it's crazy. You've done it? You've done it in game? I have. No? No. Is it like a. That is this like a every game occurrence or? Uh, probably not now. If you look at like in like the 80s and yeah. stuff, it's like 10 times. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Like, now, I don't know, maybe every, every, every other fighting. game. Yeah, you can just stop the game. That sounds crazy. It sounds so crazy because Wemby's like, I would get wrecked if that was, oh. if you could just fight, Wemby would get rocked so hard. Well, and like Connor Bedard is like, had to like try to figure out how to explain, oh, I'm not the one who does the fighting. Yeah. I, got, I got goons for that. Like yeah. people do that to protect me. Right, 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 right. Yeah, he was like, have you done it? And Connor Bedard was like, like, God, no. no. I'm good at this. So, <laughs> yeah. so if you could pick a sport, Mike, where 
you could do exactly in that sport what hockey does, where if two guys started to go at it, everybody just backed off until they hit the ground. What sport would it be? I wouldn't pick football because you're all padded up. So no one's really going to do a whole lot. What sport would you pick? I mean, I feel like it only leaves, what, basketball and baseball? And I feel like we well, get... What you about could pick golf? soccer if you want. What about soccer? Oh, what about no, golf? Any sport. Golf. I would say Jesse's right. Golf. You gotta, you gotta have it be golf. <laughs> Brooke, like if we had gotten Bryce uh, Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau oh. to actually <laughs> throw down on the course in a U.S. Open or something like that, that would have been the sports talk gift that kept on giving. The, the biggest mistake I made was. You know, Mike, you've done this on the road where I just put up the sign. I don't I'm going to be here a couple of days. I don't even want the room touched. I don't want them coming in. Yep. The downside of that is I drank all the coffee yesterday morning and I got back last night and I was like, oh, shit. Yep. I don't have any coffee for the morning. So that, that and I don't have enough time. Two minute breaks to run downstairs because right now the Starbucks down there would be open. But I don't have time to go down and get it. Oh, so, that's uh, so you haven't had oh, a coffee. Oh. I have not, had, and I am used to caught by. I'm used to. I'm usually two, three cups in by now. So, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, 